Hello and welcome to the Outpost Community Church Sunday Podcast. My name is Greg and we are currently going through a series in Matthew and we are so glad you tuned in. If you'd like to hear more about the vision and mission of Outpost Community Church, you can go to our website at outpostcommunity.org and you will find it there. Otherwise, we pray that you have a wonderful week of worship and that this message would inspire you to follow Jesus with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All right, guys, you can go ahead and find your seats. But if you, once you find your seats, if you could stand up um, and turn to Matthew chapter 8. So I'm excited for you guys. You got to hear from my wife, and now you get to hear from me. So it's just a, just a very blessed Sunday morning. <laughs> there we go. All right, so I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 17. And again, that's in chapter 8. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For two, I am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you that many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion Jesus said, Go, let it be done, for as you have believed." And the servant was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought, brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. You may be seated. Thank you, Zach. Let me get situated here. Uh, if you do not know who I am, my name is Addison. I am on staff here at Outpost. I am not Greg. Uh, I was the person last week that uh, Brooklyn wrote the letter to about the shoes and all that. Uh, and if you weren't here, then that's okay. We'll just get past that. Um, but uh, my name's Addison. Let me kind of real quick, before we really get into uh, the weeds here. Let me kind of catch you up as far as like sermon series and where we are at as like outpost as a whole. And so I think like January, February, sometime in the spring, we started going through the book of Matthew. And uh, we got all the way through Matthew chapter 7 in a whole five months. And then we uh, took a break over the summer and we went through a series called Reset. Uh, where we reset our hearts and our minds and our souls to orient them uh, towards Jesus and his glory. 
And so now we're taking a step back into Matthew. And so if you kind of forgot where we were in Matthew, what happened is we just finished the Sermon on the Mount. If you don't know what that is, it is really uh, a lot of Jesus's teachings. It's where we get the idea um, of if you look after a woman lustfully, then you are committing adultery. It's about the heart, not about your actions. That, that's kind of the gist of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And so we finished that, and then now we're in chapter 8 where it's right after Jesus has this huge crowd around him, and he takes a step off of the stage, if you will, and then we see his ministry going forward. Um, but uh, before I get into that further, let me, let me pray, and then uh, we will dive in. Lord, thank you for uh, the gift it is to get to open your word together openly, get to glorify you, get to teach your word. I pray that more and more this room orients themselves in their hearts towards Christ and his glory. You are good. You are loving. And I pray this morning that it's less about us, less about me, and more about you and your word. In your precious name, amen. All right, well, uh, Allison said something at the beginning of worship, which half of y'all weren't here for, and that's okay, but let me say it again. And, and so this past week on Tuesday, about 20 plus people graduated from a ministry called Region. I'm wearing my Region shirt this morning for that reason, yes, and, uh, and it's a blessing. We're actually going to talk a little bit about Region, a little bit about that later on, but... What I wanted to do is give you a story from Regen, and it's not a testimony, but rather something that happened about like five, six months ago. And so if you've never been to Regen, uh, and you don't know what it's like, you show up, it's Monday nights, you all should come. Uh, the first time you come, you'll watch a video, and you'll get to kind of understand what it's about. Um, but you show up, and you worship the Lord. It's kind of like this. You, there's three songs, sometimes two songs and you sit in where you're sitting now, and you worship God. And then you sit down, and then either somebody comes up here, or we watch a video of a testimony about how God has miraculously changed someone's life uh, for him and his glory, and rescued that person uh, from death to life. And then someone will come up and teach, like I'm doing now. And so if you don't know... Uh, there's a guy, he's not in here, I don't think, right now, but his name's Jeff Dan Miller, and he helps lead Region. Uh, and if you know Jeff, you, you love Jeff, he's an awesome guy, he knows the Bible better than most people I know. And, and he came up that Monday and started to teach. And as he was teaching, he, you know, opened up the Word of God, and he was getting after it, he was giving some points, he was reading Scripture, and, and it's at this point in the story, I should be able to tell you what he was teaching about. However, I don't remember at all the beginning of his message because as he got up here, he was wearing a button-down shirt, but the buttons were two, not one, two buttons off, okay? So his top button was like two and like three holes down. So he had a foot hanging off this side, his collar was here, and then his, I mean, it was so distracting, and I was looking at uh, everybody else, and everybody was either doing this 
or like snickering and trying not to like make eye contact with anybody. You know when you make eye contact with somebody and you, there's something funny and then you end up like laughing? Everybody was trying to avoid that. And I, I promise you guys, I was like so close to almost raising my hand or like coming up here and being like, Jeff, like you've got to stop, fix your shirt, okay? Because I can't understand anything you're saying. Now, let me, before you like draw to con- conclusions, he did it on purpose. It was part of his illustration to show something. But the reason I'm telling you that story is because what happened there was I missed the point of what he was trying to say. Everything he was trying to say, I have no idea what he was like, what the whole point of that message was. Well, I do now, but while his shirt was messed up, I had no idea what he was saying. I missed the main point because I was so focused on something else. And with Matthew 8, 1 through 17, and honestly, really the entire story and narrative of the Bible we can be in danger of that same thing happening. We can be in danger of getting so distracted by one thing or or something like really in the weeds or whatever it is that we miss the main point. We miss Jesus. Here in a second, I'll, I'll mention these people, but there's a group of people in Israel. When Jesus came back to earth, God in the flesh, that left because they were so upset that the Romans were uh, took over Israel, basically, that they just left. And they were like, well, we're going to go seek God, but we're going to do it by ourselves. And the irony is that they missed God completely, and we don't want to do that. And so in Matthew 8, 1 through 17, uh, it's, it's a something called, and this is, I'm not trying to confuse y'all, but there are chapters and verses. There are also things called literary units. And 1 through 17 is one literary unit. And Matthew is writing this to us, to the Jews, to teach them one main thing. Now, there are other things we can go and we will and pull out of it and get and apply it to our lives, but there's one thing that he's trying to teach us, and we have to view the other things that he's saying through that lens. And so what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going, from the beginning, going to give you that main point. And then as we get into other things, and we're pulling out other things to apply them to our lives, what I want us to do is view those things through the lens of his main point. And his main point, the thing he really wants us to know in this, is that faith is ultimate. Faith is ultimate. And so we see this theme in every single story, in every miracle that Jesus does here. Especially, it's black and white. I mean, it's so obvious in the story of the centurion. And so we have to realize that faith is ultimate. Matthew needs us to know that. And so as we continue further, we're going to make, I'm going to give you three other points. But keep in mind that at the end of the day, it's about faith. Does that sound good? Okay. Uh, So let me, I'm just going to start it out right, right away. Let me just give you the first point. And we see this. By the way, I'm not going to go verse by verse by verse. What I'm going to do is look at the whole section and pull things out because there are themes and there are things that continually pop up in every story. And the first is this. There are no exceptions for God's reach. There are no exceptions for Jesus' reach, and I put in parentheses, or ours. And we get this from specifically the story of the leper and the story of the centurion. 
And if you don't know anything about the leper, let me kind of give you some background knowledge on that. There's a thing called leprosy, and it was rampant at this time. And if you had it, you were called a leper. And lepers were like the outcasts of society. They were like on the fringe of society. There were actually laws that stated you couldn't become or you couldn't come within a certain distance of these people because then you would be considered unclean, both ceremonial, symbolically, but then also physically, they thought that you might get leprosy. And so we realize here that there is nobody that is too far away. There's nobody that is too outcast in society beyond Jesus's reach. And by the way, there's something to notice here that's so beautiful, which is this. We learn in verses 5 through 13 that Jesus doesn't have to physically touch somebody to heal them. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. But if you read verses 1 through 4, Jesus intentionally touches the leper. He reaches out and touches the leper. Well, why does he touch the leper? Well, it's an image of what he's done to us. So what did I just say? If you touched a leper, if you were in a certain amount of distance from that person, you were considered unclean. And so why did Jesus go towards that person? Well, he went towards that person to show us that when Jesus enters into an unclean area, it does not affect Jesus. Instead, Jesus makes that area pure. And listen, guys, that's what he's done in all of our lives if you're a Christian. He pursued you ruthlessly. And then he entered into your life. And your sin and your disgustingness did not affect Jesus. Rather, he affected you and he made you pure. And we see in Romans, the entire point of Romans is to tell us that God sees us as righteous. We are righteous in his eyes. And it's not because of anything we've done. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 tells us that. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not uh, anything that you've done, but it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one may boast. He's entered into your life. We were the lepers. And he pursued you, and he made you pure. You're not a slave to sin anymore. We are the leper in this story. Something else to note from this story I don't want to fly over is this. There are three things, there's three, almost a process that the leper in this story uh, follows. And so let me read it real quick. He came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. There are three things that the leper does here. The first is this. He has a stance of humility. He knows who Jesus is and he knows who he is. And he approaches Jesus with that humility. The second is this. He is submitted to Jesus' will. Lord, if you will, will you heal me? And the third is this. He has faith that Jesus could heal. It was assumed in his head that Jesus could heal him. Is it assumed in our head that Jesus could heal us? So the second thing, the centurion, 
we see that the centurion is not too far out for Jesus' reach. If you don't know kind of where we're at as far as the history of Israel, at this point, the Romans are, uh, in essence, the oppressors of Israel. They've come in, and they are over the land. And so Israel hates the Romans. Most of Israel hates the Romans. And Jesus is a Jew. Like, these are Jesus' people who uh, are disgusted by the Romans. The reason I'm telling you this is because it's a Roman guard. It's a Roman centurion who's in charge of other guards. So this is Jesus' enemy. But yet, what does he do? Not only does Jesus help him out, but he also makes an example out of this guy. and goes, look, I've met no one yet that has faith like this guy. Can you imagine how unbelievably culturally radical that is? Listen, the, the Roman people were the enemies. They were the oppressors of the Jewish people. But Jesus shows us here, we are to love our enemies. There is no one that is too far gone. There are no exceptions for Jesus' reach, including the outcasts and including our enemies. And there should not be anybody outside of our reach, in our hearts, that are either too outcast or too uh, much of our enemies for us to love them. And listen, I know that this is hard, but let me tell you a story. When I grew up in high school, it was about the same size as Cody High School, so I knew everybody in my grade. And there was a guy, my freshman year, named Sam Liu. And I decided my freshman year to make Sam Liu my enemy. I didn't like him. He made me feel guilty. He called me out sometimes of my sin. Uh, I just didn't like him. And so what I decided to do was try to make his life miserable. And I was mean to him. I talked behind his back. When he showed up to the lunch table, I would leave the lunch table. I just didn't like him. I decided he was my enemy. But here's the thing about Sam Liu, is that he did not decide that I was his enemy and just leave. What he did is he kept pursuing me. And let me tell you, two years down the line, at the end of my sophomore year, God grabbed a hold of my life and changed me radically. He called me out of my sin. And I was in my room weeping. One, because I realized in the truth of Jesus and what he did on the cross hit me. But the other thing is that I was afraid because I knew that I was going to have to change my friends. Because my friends were not going to benefit me to follow Jesus. They are, in fact, were actually going to pull me away from following Jesus. And I didn't know what to do. And in that moment, I got a text from a number I did not know. And it said, hey, I love you and I'm praying for you. If there's any way I can help you, let me know. And that was Sam Lou. And listen, guys, that moment changed my life forever. It did. And what I want you all to know is that everybody in this room has the opportunity to be the Sam Lou to other people. I don't know if it's somebody at work. I don't know if it's somebody in your family. But we are called to love our enemies and love those on the outskirts, as Jesus loved us. What we have to realize from this point is two things. One, we were the leper and we were the centurion. We were enemies of God. But God pursued us in our sin 
So much so, he loved us in a way no one ever loved us, that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to come on earth, enter into the sin, in a world full of sin, where he was sinless, and lived a perfect life, died unrightfully on the cross for you and I, and if we believe in that, then his blood is a sacrifice for us, and we will now have eternal life with God. That's how he loved us. He loved us in a way no one's ever loved us. And if you believe in that truth, that's all you have to do. You don't have to go to church a certain amount of times. You don't have to do anything other than put your faith in him. And if that's true in your life, you will have eternal life with God. He loved us in a way, man, that we were the leper. We were the centurion, but he continued to pursue us, and that should motivate us to then pursue others who are hard to pursue, who are hard to love. Maybe we view them as enemies. So let me ask you a question. Who is it in your mind that you're making excuses of how to love them, like Jesus loved you? Who are you, and how are you making excuses to be the vessel of God's grace towards others? The first thing we have to realize is that we were the ones that were outcasts. We were the ones that were enemies, but God loved all of us the same. The second thing we have to realize here is what I just said is completely true, but let me tell you, at the end of the day, I don't care, and I don't think it matters if you are an enemy or you're not, or you're my best friend. It doesn't matter if you're an outcast or you're the most popular person. At the end of the day, there's one thing that matters, and it's the question, do you have faith in Jesus? Who do you say Jesus is? That's what matters. And so let's be people who are going to go pursue those who are outcasts. Let's be people who are going to go pursue those who are our enemies. But let's do it in the name of Jesus, knowing that there's one thing that matters. And it's not how much money you make on earth. It's not how well your attendance is at church. It's do you have faith in Jesus? James is going to tell us, faith without works is dead, and that's true. The works are going to follow, but it starts with faith. Who do you say Jesus is? As for me and my house, we're going to follow the Lord. And so here's what I want to tell you. It's all about faith. And that's why my second point is my second point, which is this. Through faith, Jesus is our ultimate healer. Through faith, Jesus is our ultimate healer. Now, I know when I say the word healing, okay, there's a 25% of y'all that get really weird. There's 25% of y'all that get uncomfortable. There's another 25% that's ready to go. They're like, oh, I can preach on this. Uh, And so here's what I'm going to say. Before you email Greg and try to get me fired, uh, let me explain what I mean when I say that Jesus is our ultimate healer. There's two things you got to know. The first is this. That Jesus and the God in you, the Holy Spirit, is the same God that split the Red Sea. He is the same God that led Israel by a pillar of cloud and by fire. And he's the same God that we're reading about now who is healing these people. That is true. Second thing, God can heal. He does heal. Third thing. I think the question we're asking when we go, where are the miracles now? Okay, miracles happen 100%, but let me tell you, the miracle of miracles happens as well. What do I mean by that? 
Well, let me tell you, I sat outside of that window two weeks ago, and there is a kid who's been coming to my youth group for three years. And the first time I showed up in Cody, the first week I was here, I went to J.D. Downer's house, and, and this guy was here. And he told me, hey, I'm glad you're accepting me. I'm glad I can be here. This is super fun. Let me just tell you from the get-go, I don't believe in God. I just need you to know that. I don't have a faith in God. This is what he told me. I said, hey, that's fine. Glad you're here. I put him in the, in the seat back in front of you. There's a thing called the top three card. I filled out my top three card. What that is is a way for us to remind ourselves to pray for people who are lost and far from Jesus. He was number one on my top three card. I prayed for him every Tuesday morning for two years. I sat outside of that window two weeks ago, and he told me, okay, this is what he said, I'm part of the family now. It's like, what do you mean? He goes, I was in a field, and I put my faith in Jesus. I'm saved. Let me tell you, that's a miracle. That right there is a miracle. You want to talk about miracles. I mean, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. We want to ask, where are the miracles now? I'm telling you, that's resurrection. He was dead in his trespasses, and now he's alive in Christ. If you're a Christian, your life is a miracle. We're going to be like Israel. I'm telling you, we look back at Israel now and we go, what were they thinking? They, like God was all around them. They split the Red Sea and then they have the audacity to, be, to rebel against God. I'm telling y'all, Cody people, look around. There are miracles every single day that are happening around here. And we're going to have, we're going to look back at our lives at some point and have the audacity to be like, God, where are the miracles? They're happening. They're in our midst. It is amazing what God is doing. Jake Scott, five years ago was selling drugs, and now he's up here leading worship, doing a job for free he should probably be getting paid for, just because he loves Jesus. That's a miracle. You want to talk about miracles? Uh, let me tell you about miracles. Region, you should have been here Tuesday night, and all the people who graduated came up here and had a before and an after statement. Before Christ, I was anxious, I was selfish, I was this. Now God has set me free. I'm still anxious and selfish, but I am free to love others. I'm far less anxious and selfish. That's a miracle. Veda White this week got baptized. To put, she put her faith in Jesus and wanted to show others that she is now saved. That's a miracle. Death to life. And so do healings, do miracles still happen today? Absolutely. Look around us. What God is doing in our midst is amazing. And if we're not careful, we're going to miss it. I'm telling you. I get to see almost every day stories of people's lives being transformed. I'm looking out right now and I'm seeing Scott Castleberg, who stood up here on Tuesday and told us how God has changed his life. It's a miraculous thing. It gets, it gets me fired up a little bit, <laughs> as you can tell. Listen, guys, I don't want us to miss it because if we're not careful, we're going to miss the celebration that comes along and the joy that comes along with following Christ. It's an amazing thing that we get to be a part of. And so let's be people who are, our eyes are opened to what God is doing. And let's be people who share stories 
about what God is doing. Celebrate what God is doing. But let me be very clear. It comes down to faith. The reason Scott's life was changed, the reason Jake's life was changed, the reason for 12 years I was addicted to pornography and now I'm free from it is not because I'm a good person and I showed up to church. And it's not because, you know, I went through some program where I learned more about the Bible. It's because my faith is in Jesus Christ. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to change our lives. And listen, if you're in here and you want to experience life change, I'm telling you, what you got to do is put your faith in Jesus. It will happen through the Holy Spirit. So let's be people of faith. The next point is this. So we see Jesus do these healings. He comes off of the mount, and then he, people flood him. He has a crowd of many people, and he heals the leper, talks to the centurion, heals Peter's uh, mother-in-law, and then, which some of y'all are like, m- talking about enemies earlier. You're like, that, you could have added that one in there. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to get in trouble for that. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm all thrown off. Um, and, and then we see him heal and cast out demons. And then finally, verse 17 says this, and this is how he wraps it up. Verse 17, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illness and bore our diseases. My last point is this, Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment. Well, Matthew, so Matthew's written to the Jews. The Jewish people were looking for a Messiah. Put yourself in their shoes They have the Old Testament at this point. And if there's one thing that's clear throughout the entire New Testament or Old Testament, it's this. The Israelites need, the people need a perfect Messiah to come and rescue them. They had Abraham and he failed. He lied about Sarah. They had Moses. In his pride, Moses hit a rock and made water come out of it, showing his pride and his control issues. And then they're giving Joshua. Joshua fails to drive out the Canaanites out of the land. He does not fully obey God. And then they're given the uh, judges. The judges was just an absolute miss. And each judge got worse uh, continually. And it was a time where people did what was right in their own eyes. That was, that's the phrase that if you read Judges continues to pop up. Okay, and then they're prophets. No one listened to the prophets, and they had their own problems. And then finally, you have uh, Zerubbabel and then Ezra and Nehemiah, where they rebuild. They go back into Jerusalem, and Zerubbabel builds the temple. Ezra brings back the law, and then finally, uh, Nehemiah builds the walls. But at the end of the Old Testament, you're kind of left with this question mark, because people are like, what's different about this temple? And then... So at this point, you know you have to have God's presence, and they need someone who is perfect to come and fulfill them. And then guess what? There's 400 years of silence. And I can hardly wait 24 hours if I really, really want something, much less need something. And the Israelites waited 400 years. And what Matthew's trying to tell them is, listen, guys, we celebrate Christmas for a reason. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's the person the entire Old Testament was talking about. That's the point of Matthew, is he's trying to write to the Jews that Jesus fulfilled all the things in the Old Testament. 
And so what I want you to tell y'all is, listen, the Old Testament was written about Jesus. It's all pointing towards Jesus. The New Testament is talking about Jesus. And Jesus is talking in the New Testament as well. And then Paul is telling us about Jesus and what he meant and what he was trying to do and how to live out his teachings and try to go forward. And now we're in a spot where we should be looking back at the Bible, looking at Jesus' life, looking at the Old Testament, seeing how it was fulfilled through Jesus, and now we can look forward to Jesus coming back. And what Matthew's trying to tell the Jews is, guys, Jesus is the Messiah. He was right in front of you. And that's why he's saying that Jesus was the fulfillment of all things. The whole Bible was written about Jesus. The entire Bible. Jesus is our ultimate fulfillment. He was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He's the fulfillment in your life. And listen, Jesus can heal the sickness. He can heal your heart. He will heal heal your heart, and he can heal your sickness. Now, if he does or not, that's up to him. We've got to be like the leper in the first section. Lord, if you will, he can do whatever he wants. But listen, what we can't miss is by faith, we are going to be saved. The entire Bible is written about Jesus. He's the fulfillment in your life. He's the ultimate fulfillment. He was the fulfillment of the Bible. And listen, he's going to come back and ultimately fulfill everything. He's going to come back and make all things new. And he's going to make your life perfect when you die. And you're going to go and be with him forever, eternity, with Jesus. And so listen, let me kind of launch us into this next bit, and let me kind of launch us uh, forward by giving us the story, okay? So, and this is going to be completely changing gears. Uh, so there is a thing called hillbilly skydiving, okay? And so it's a weird thing. But let me tell you the story. When I got to college, when I got to college, uh, I had some older friends. I went to the, a prestigious university called the University of Arkansas. And um, there's too many laughs there, okay? Uh, I'm just kidding. So I had some older friends at the University of Arkansas, and so when I got there as a freshman, which, by the way, a lot of people this weekend are dropping their freshmen off in Laramie. And so imagine this. Like, I just got there. I put up all the decorations or whatever in my dorm, uh, and, and then my friends text me, and they're like, hey, you got to go hillbilly skydiving. I don't know what it is. I'm like, uh, okay. And so let me tell you what happened. They, they put me in a car, and they give me a harness, like a climbing harness. I put it on. And then they give me a blindfold. It's not ideal, but I put on the blindfold. They're like, you know, that, this is part of it. And then they drive me around. They're driving crazy. And, uh, and then they finally stop. And they tell me, I'm still blindfolded. They tell me, hey, get out of the car. But, and they're kind of like helping me get out of the car. And, and so I get out, and, and, I, and my feet are on the ground. I'm standing up with my harness on and everything. And they kind of like uh, put a rope around my harness. And then they go, hey, inch forward, inch forward, inch forward. And so I'm doing this. And, and I finally get to this point where my feet, like they are right now, are like dangling off something. And I can tell that my feet are like, my toes are dangling. And so I'm like, oh, I'm starting to like kind of freak out. And I'm like shaking a little bit. Um, 
And, and they're like, all right, well, here's what you got to do to go hillbilly skydiving. You got to take one more step. Take one more step off of the cliff, is what they say. And I'm like, my knees are like absolutely shaking now. Uh, in my head, I'm like, well, it's been good knowing you guys. And at the same time, I'm also a freshman in college. I just got there, and I want to prove myself, and I want my friends to think I'm cool, and I'm not afraid of this. And so I take a step forward, and about two inches, I go down, and then I'm standing again, and all my friends are dying laughing, okay? <laughs> so they're like, take the blindfold off. I take the blindfold off. I forgot to say, by the way, it was uh, like I heard this like sound, and it was kind of windy. I take my blindfold off, and I look around, and I'm in a car wash. And let me tell you what they did. What my friends did was they put on the harness. They made me feel like I'm on top of this mountain with a, a car wash thing. They put some money in the car wash, and they had the uh, drying, like the air drying thing, you know, in the hose. And they're, like, spraying me with it. And so my hair's going everywhere. I feel like I'm, like, up on a mountain. And then they have two two-by-fours that they put on the ground. And that's what I was standing on. And they, and they had me go forward until my toes were hanging off the two-by-fours. And then they were like, you got to jump. you got to jump. And so I jumped. And then they just died laughing. They thought it was hilarious. Here's why I'm telling you the story. Is when I took my blindfold off, when I took my blindfold off, and I realized I was in a car wash, all of my anxiety and all of my like, worries and me freaking out all went away. I thought it was kind of funny at that point. It all went away. And here's what I want us to realize. So there's a lot of people in this world that are afraid, anxious, scared. Because they're sitting there and they don't know what's around them. They have the blindfolds on. They feel like they're about to jump off of a cliff. But listen, guys, we're Christians and we know what's coming. We know that by faith, Jesus is coming back. And he's going to make all things new again. Our blindfold's off. We know where we're at and we can see what's in front of us. And we've got to be people that are not anxious. We've got to be people who are on mission, knowing what's in front of us, knowing what's coming, and telling everybody the good news that Jesus Christ died for their sins and that he's going to come back and make all things new. And all you have to do is have faith in him. And so listen, the question is simple. Do you have faith? Who do you say Jesus is? Let's be people who leave here not afraid, not scared of other people's opinions, but by faith are being sanctified and healed of our humanness and our sin, and then can go forward, spread the gospel, sh share the good news, be people on mission for his word and for his glory. That's who we are. That is who we are. And, and so let me, let me pray and as Jake and the worship team come back up, let's leave today not being afraid, but having 
complete certainty that through our faith, we're going to be saved. And through our faith, we can share Jesus with others. All they have to do, all you have to do, Romans 10, 9, and 10 says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. That's all you have to do. That is all you have to do. 1 John 5.13 says this. John finishes his letter. And he shares the good news of Jesus. He shares that all you have to do is what I just said, have faith. And he writes this in John, 1 John 5.13. He says, so that you may know that you have eternal life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. That you may know that you have eternal life. It's not that you may guess that you probably have eternal life. It's that you may know you have eternal life. Listen, friends, if you put your faith in Jesus, you may know that you have eternal life. Let's be people who are flying out here like arrows, ready to be on mission for Jesus. Lord, you are good. all-knowing. I pray that we become more and more the people you want us to be, and that by your Son, by sanctification, by knowing what is true, we ultimately are healed. I pray that we leave. There's no one too far out of your reach, and I pray that we represent that, that we can love the people on the outskirts. We can love the, the enemies in our life. I pray that that we realize what you came on earth to do is done and that ultimately you're going to come back. Lord, I pray that we are a group of people who say, as for me and my house, I'm going to follow the Lord. May your will be done. In your precious name, amen. Jesus, Jesus did not just heal the leper and heal the centurion's friend just to heal the leper and heal centurion's friend. What Jesus was doing was showing his authority, showing his power, and ultimately what he was doing was showing why he was here in the first place, which was to give us hope, to die on the cross, to take our sins. Now listen, if you don't believe in that, there's one thing you got to take away from today, and it's that by faith, you may have eternal life with Jesus. But if you're someone who knows that you have eternal life with Jesus, let's be people leaving here ready to celebrate what God has done. We don't have to go and have these heavy burdens, man. Jesus has taken them on the cross. Now let's go and celebrate what he's done and share it with others. What a gift. All right. Y'all have a great week of worship. Thank you.